0: I want you to imagine with me a baseball team that has found themselves a super-duper pitcher. I mean, he's a wonder boy. He can throw at 120 miles. He can throw every kind of conceivable ball, fastball, knuckleball, spinning ball. I mean, he can do it all. He has only one problem. He refuses to watch... The catcher signals. And so when the catcher would signal him for a low fastball, he sends an inside curveball. And it goes on and on and on. Now, you have to agree with me, that is not a pretty picture. Please listen carefully, because I'm going to submit to you this morning that this is a picture of an average Christian today. They are busy doing things. They are busy going through the motions. They are busy being Christians and being church people. And yet, they refuse to get their cues from the catcher. That is the Word of God. They will get their advice from everyone else. They will get their signal from everyone else except where they should be getting it, and that is the Word of God. And that is why you see so many of them, when they hit the wall, they fold. They collapse. They become easily discouraged. They become easily frustrated. They become easily disappointed. They begin to play the blame game. Well, if he didn't do this, or if she didn't do this, or if he didn't say that, and if he didn't do the other thing, uh, this would not have happened. But that's always a blame game. Instead of regrouping, instead of retracing our steps and figuring out what got us here, instead of Facing the reality of our ignoring of the signals from the Word of God, they become disappointed, they become discouraged, and they become complacent. The last time we left Abraham in chapter 15, he was on an emotional and spiritual high. God has already passed through the animal that's been cut in half, and the half was separated, God Himself is the one, the guarantor of the covenant, walked in that blood, which is a foreshadowing of the cross of Jesus Christ, where He alone hung on that cross, shed His blood, so that everyone who would come to believe in Him and trust in Him will be saved. God affirmed His covenant to Abraham. In chapter 15, we saw how God personally took responsibility for not only the making of the covenant, but for the keeping of the covenant. We saw how God assured Abraham that his delay does not mean his denial. And you would think right after that would have been sufficient for Abraham to just keep on waiting patiently and to keep on counting stars. (laughs) Instead, in a moment of impetuousness, in a moment of impatience, he did an about-face. And Abraham stumbled headlong into one of the biggest messes that he has ever made. And I want to submit to you today that here we are, 4,000 years after that mess was made, we are suffering, and we are experiencing the pain of that mess. Don't ever think that when you sin, you're just sinning against yourself. Your sin is going to impact everybody around you, and it could impact generations to come. You often hear me say that a test always nips at the heels of a blessing. So if you are blessed right now, heads up, test is around the corner. Beloved, I know that biblically, and I know that experientially. Now I want to show it to you from here, from the Word of God, right here. Because if Genesis chapter 15 can be called the chapter of faith, Genesis 16 can be called the chapter of failure. If in chapter 15, Abraham walked by faith, in chapter 16, he walked by the flesh. If in Genesis 15, Abraham listened to God, in chapter 16, he listens to his wife. Just before the elbows start flying, just let me stop and remind you that it was Abraham who asked Sarah to lie for him when you were in Egypt. All right? The ground is level here. I know I speak for many men when I say that I get wise counsel from my wife. I get very good advice from my wife, godly counsel. Furthermore, I'm going to show you today something about Sarah's counsel to Abraham. Now, I want to show it to you as a selfless act. I want to prove it to you in a minute. But to do that, I have to transport you 4,000 years back in history. Not only in history, but culturally, so you understand what was going on. You hear me often say make sure you put the text in its context. And context doesn't only mean the verse before and the verse after, but you have to understand to whom it was written, who are the recipients, what intended to say, and what was the culture like at that time, because that is very important in faithfulness to the Scripture. Bible always relevant to the people they're speaking to, so we learn from it, and we take lessons from it. You see, men in those days, particularly at that time, Their standing in society, it was dependent on how many children they have. Abraham's importance in his society, in fact, his manhood, is at the stake here. And Sarah felt deeply for what is perceived to be her husband's disgrace in society. In fact, I want to submit to you that Sarah wanted the world to know that the reason they're not able to have children was her fault and not her husband's fault. That's something I wanted you to really take a grasp and understand what's going on here. She was absolutely sure that if she followed the cultural norms. And make no mistake about it, it was the cultural norms. Everybody was doing it. When you can't have children, you give them your slave, your servant, and when a slave becomes pregnant, ready to deliver a baby, she would sit on her mistress lap and deliver the baby as if it's her own. That was the done thing. It was everybody doing it. Now, beloved, not everything that is legal or accepted by society, is good and right. Abortion is legal and accepted, but God said it is wrong, it's a sin. Homosexual marriage is legal now, but God said it's contrary to His created order. And not because adultery and fornication is accepted, it's still sin in the sight of God. The list goes on and on and on. But here's the kicker. Regardless of how selfless Sarah tried to be, regardless of how much she wanted to take the blame for not having children, regardless of how she wanted to vindicate her husband, it was the wrong course of action. And I'm convinced that if anybody else suggested that other than Sarah, Abraham would not have gone through with it. And so Sarah suggested to Abraham that he could have children through her Egyptian maid, Hagar. Galatians chapter 4, and read it very carefully. Paul argues that we, the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. Because it is the seed, not seeds. And he's talking about Jesus. And that is why Jesus, the Messiah, was born from the free woman, Sarah, not the slave woman, Hagar. But you remember back a couple of messages ago, I showed you how Abraham tried to kind of do a, a run-in on God's promise. He did it before. <laughs> and he did his estate planning. And he said to God, he said, Now I'm working my estate here, and I'm doing my estate planning here, and now my chief of staff, Eliezer from Damascus, will be my heir. You know what God said to him? He's a use of translation. Read my lips. You're going to have a child by Sarah. But somehow, somehow, this time, waiting for Abraham and Sarah became hard. Waiting became difficult. And Sarah and Abraham felt that they had to do something to help God out. (laughs) Have you ever dealt with people or God's little helpers? And let me pour my heart out to you for a minute here and tell you that when we stop trusting God to fulfill His promise, (laughs) no matter... How rational, no matter how reasonable, no matter how good it sounds, we are actually blaming God for our difficulties. Been there, done that, and I promise you I have the t-shirt to prove it. (laughs) Look at verse 2 with me, please. Sarah said, the Lord has kept me from having children. Well, as a statement of fact, (laughs) that is true. That is true. But there's more to this verse and to what she just said than meets the eye. I want you to listen carefully. As if Sarah was saying, I know we should trust God. I know that we should take him at his word. I know that we should trust in his promise. I know we should wait. I know we should be counting stars and getting ready. But look at us. We are ready for the nursing home, not building a nursery. Beloved, I know and you know that sometimes we do the wrong thing with good motives, and we say my motive was good. Just remember that. Question: Who's at fault here, Sarah or Abraham? Both, both of them. The only person involved here who is not at fault was Hagar. She was a servant. She was a slave girl. I mean, she was got to do what she was told to do. She had no authority. Now, let me give you a counsel that I give myself. And trust me, I give myself a whole lot, and very often. It's a counsel I give myself, and it is this. When I'm waiting for God to do the supernatural, I am very careful not try to do the natural. When you're waiting for God to do the supernatural, be very careful not to go for the natural. But you know what? I often point the problem, I show you the problem, I show you the sin, I show you the mistake, but then I want to lift up your eyes from Abraham, lift up your eyes from Sarah, from Hagar, from all of the mess that we are looking at right now. I want to lift up your eyes to the Lord Jesus. I want to lift up your eyes to our God and show you how gracious He is, how incredible our God is. He supernaturally specializes in picking up the threads of our disobedience and our distrust of Him, and He weaves them into a beautiful, beautiful tapestry. God is renowned for pasting together the fragments of our fractured lives into a beautiful picture. God is famous for Picking up all the throwaway material, and he produces a magnificent tapestry. That's the God I want you to look at. That's the God I want you to encounter today. You remember when our kids were little, when we used to kind of read them? Actually, my wife reads them, and I'm sitting there listening, and she reads the nursery rhymes, and now, of course, we do it with our grandchildren. and, And, you know, I've always listened to this thing of, you know, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, None of the king's men or the king's horses could put Humpty Dumpty together again. Remember that? And I remember sitting there one time and saying, yeah, because Humpty Dumpty does not need the king's men or the king's horses. He needs the king. You and I need the king. Because the king can. Trust the king. Wait on the king. Believe the king's word. Sarah and Abraham came with their plan to help God out. (laughs) I help you perform a miracle, God. And it backfired. Through the years, there used to be all of these seminars, even in churches. Power of positive thinking, it'll produce a miracle. TM, Transcendental Meditation, it'll produce a miracle. Visualization. If you can visualize it, it will happen. It will produce a miracle. None of that is biblical. Only God can bring the miracle. And all He's asking you and me to do is to have faith, to trust in Him, to wait upon Him, and to believe that sooner or later He will do it. Sadly, when Hagar fell pregnant and Sarah's scheme succeeded, <laughs> Sarah resented her. And the only thing that Hagar could do at the time is run away. That's the only thing she could do. What happened when she ran away? Look at verse 7. The angel of the Lord appeared to this fatigued slave woman, now pregnant with a boy. By the way, in verse 7 of chapter 16 of Genesis, it's the first time you see the term, the angel of the Lord. And this is no ordinary angel. This is no other than the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. Theologians call that theophany, because He appeared. Don't ever forget that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coexisted with the Father before all worlds. In fact, Paul said, it is for whom and through whom the world was created. You see it clearly here in verse 13. Hagar calls him the Lord. And then she goes on to say, He is the God who sees me. He's the God who sees me. Listen to me. Whenever you're tempted to think that God has forgotten you, whenever you're tempted to think that God had forsaken you, whenever you're tempted to think that God does not see or care about what's going on in your life, whenever you are tempted to think that He is not aware of your difficulties, He's not aware of your problems, He's not aware of your pain, He is not aware of what's going on, I want you to remember Hagar here. Remember what she said. He is the God who sees me. He's the God who sees you. he not only see you, He sees all of the details in your life. He sees all of what's concerning you. He's concerned about what concerns you. All the minutest details in your life is before Him. He is watching over all things in your life, all the surrounding things, things that you can't even see or know. Psalm 139, 9 and 10 said, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost depths of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. But I may be jumping ahead of myself here, and I, I just want to get back to the story. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you have ever tried to run away from the place of obedience. Have you ever tried to run away from the place of obedience? I mean, when the Lord wants you to be patient and wait, but you run. I know I've tried it a couple of times in my life. It's miserable. I discovered that the place of blessing is in the place of obedience. The place of blessing is where He wanted me to be, not where I want to go. Today, the motto in our culture is, when things get tough, the tough gets going. Out the door. You see, most would rather run away than stay and deal with the issues. That's the problem with our culture today. We quit jobs and we quit schools, we quit churches, we quit marriages, and we do it with dizzying speed. (laughs) What we don't realize is that when people quit whatever it is thinking they can run away, they're running away with the problems, (laughs) and they're just going to repeat it. And they're going to repeat it until they stop and deal with the core issue. For Hagar, she probably was going back to Egypt. There's not much call for pregnant, unwed mothers in Egypt. She would only be in misery. Look at verse 4. See, Hagar began to despise Sarah, and Sarah returned the favor. Verse 5. It shows me how fickle my memory is. It showed me how short my memory is. Look at it with me, please. Sarah said to Abraham, May the wrong you have done to me be on you. May the Lord judge between you and me. She has forgotten. That was her idea. Amazing. Even though it was well intended. It was well intended. In my flesh, I try to imagine Abraham reacting to this. The Bible doesn't say it, so don't go look for it. But I try to imagine, poor old guy was dazed and confused and, and looking at Sarah and said, but sugar pumpkin? <laughs> that was your idea. She said, what do you mean is my idea? Don't pin that on me. You could have said no. Poor Hagar. She thought having the baby's boss is gonna earn her promotion, but it only got her the boot. And the more Hager figure blossomed, the more cantankerous Sarah got. I think you have to agree with me that up to this point of Hager's life, she experienced undeserved troubles. Right? You agree? But here's what I want to show you. More importantly, that she received unexpected blessings. Don't ever underestimate God to give you unexpected blessing when you're going through undeserved trouble. And now people say, oh, life is not fair and all this. I understand. But God also is a God of justice, and He sees what's going on. But before she receives that blessing, that unexpected blessings, she had to go back. She had to go back into the path of blessing— Look, let me tell you something. There is a path of blessing, and there is a path of no blessing. The Bible makes it clear. There's just no third way. And in order to receive the blessing, you have to stand in the path of blessing. Running away from the place of obedience is not going to bless you. Running away from the place where God wants you to be will not bring about the blessing. And you can fight it all you want, and for as long as you want, you can take this to the bank. Only where He wants you to be is the place of blessing. In my early years, in my walking with the Lord, like many people, I would cry to God in this situation, and I would say, God, please change my circumstances. Please change my circumstances. And I would cry to God, and God lets me cry for a little while, and then in His sweet, quiet voice, He would say, Michael, I want to change you. I want to change you before I can change your circumstances, before I will change your circumstances. Here God said to Hagar, "I said, I'll bless you. And when you go back to the place of obedience, I will bless you. You will have a son, and you shall call his name Ishma, Shama, God who hears, El, the name of God. Ishma, El, God hears. He heard you. And as God's saying to Hagar, and He's saying to so many of you, He is saying, I hear the cry of your affliction. I hear the cry of the one who's been wronged. I hear the cry of the inner pain of those who have been deceived. I hear the cry of injustice. I hear the cry of a true victim of unfaithfulness. I hear your cry. And that is why when God asked Hagar, where did you come from and where are you going? (laughs) It's not because God did not know where she's coming from, where she's going. He's omnipresent, omniscient. But because he wanted her to verbalize her pain. He wanted her to verbalize her pain. Beloved, I'm convinced that when Hagar returned back, she returned back a changed woman. But that's not all. God also changed the heart of Abraham and the heart of Sarah and went on for 13 years. Next message I'll be talking about, the 13 years of silence of God. He changes things. Sometimes in our eagerness to change our circumstances, and we want to change them our way, we want to change them in our time, and in our eagerness, we don't see how God works and how that He's working in so many fronts all at the same time. He is preparing so many hearts all at the same time. How He's setting up all the events. How He is lining up all of the circumstances so that the blessing can be revealed and His purpose be fulfilled. Wherever you are today, wherever your circumstances, only you know Whatever your cry may be, this very moment, whatever your pain is, only you and God know. Whatever your hopes and dreams, if they are shattered or they're being fulfilled, whatever you are. I want you to do something with me in a moment. I want you to pray this prayer. Lord, take me to the place of obedience. Lord, take me to the place of blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.